Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. I'm Tom Short, so glad to have you along on this Monday morning, June 7th. As we get into the Word of God every day, a special welcome if this is your first time. And I hope that if you, if it is, you hit the subscribe and the notify, share this with your friends, hit the like button, leave a comment. I always like to know who's, who's here. And if you're coming back again and again, God bless you. I believe that I believe that you can do something else today, and God will be blessing us and strengthening us because we prioritize getting in the Word of God day by day. So thanks for being here. Make sure you share with your friends. Hit that like button and leave a comment yourself. We've been going through how to handle objections to our faith and to what we believe. We want to be skilled communicators. We don't want to be people who, who just have an argument. We want to be people who can win an argument who can add persuasiveness to our lips, who can be, uh, the Bible says, a wise and a righteous man uh, makes knowledge acceptable. He adds persuasiveness to his lips. And so we're learning that with what I'm just calling the FFDPQ method of responding to objections. And, and again, if you have some you'd like me to address that I've not yet, make sure and Drop me an email, tom at tomthepreacher.com. Let me know what you think they are. Today we're addressing the question or the comment, the objection, if someone says it doesn't make sense to believe in God when there's so much evil in the world. It's a pretty common objection because this is often brought up in a philosophy class. A teacher may make the comment that if there, if, if, there's evil in, basically they make comment, there's three things. There's evil in the world, God is all-powerful, God is all-loving. And they say, the professor will say, only at most only two of those comments can be, or those statements can be true. Well, we all know there's evil in the world. We've all seen it. We've experienced it. And so that what they're saying there is either then, therefore, of the other two statements, either God is all loving, but he's not powerful enough to stop it, or God is all powerful, but he's not loving enough to stop it. And so this is presented as the only options available, and I'll give you my response to this in a moment, but this is why many, many people believe, say, how can you believe in a God when there's evil in the world? Dare I say to you, this was the hang-up of Charles Darwin. I don't know if you realize it, but Darwin, when he went to college, he was studying theology. And he had, and there had been some terrible things happen in his life. And he went on this journey of becoming agnostic, later on a, a, a skeptic and an agnostic, later on most likely flat-out atheist. All because in the driving force emotionally was his inability to answer the question, how could a God in the Bible who's supposed to be good and who says the world he made was good, how could such a God, how, and there's so much evil in the world, it just didn't compute with him. So it's a legitimate question. And many people have lost faith because not only the problems of evil with others, but what they've experienced personally. And by the way, in providing my answer here in a moment, I'm going to be providing a theological, philosophical answer more than just a personal compassion answer. If someone asks about the problem of evil and you sense that it's they personally have really experienced it, sometimes the best thing we can do is just provide an empathetic and listening ear, 
a kind heart, offer to pray for them, offer to give them a hug, offer to say, this must just be really, really hard for you. I'm really sorry you've gone through that. More than an explanation of what of the cause behind it. There might be a time for that, but first might just be comforting them. However, the answer I'm going to give is more of the theological or the intellectual, the answer to the problem of evil for the person who wants to know at that intellectual, theological, philosophical basis. So they say, how can you know, it doesn't make sense to believe in a God when there's so much evil in the world. And using the FFDPQ method, what do we say? I can see why you feel that way. Others have felt that way too, until they discovered there's really only two options God has if he's going to eliminate all evil. I'm curious, do you know what those two options are? Now, the odds are they won't know. The odds are, unless you read last night's daily email, you don't know either. I don't, hardly anyone will know. They might know one of the options, but to know there's two options, they're probably going to say, I don't know. So let me tell you the two options, because this question is designed to elicit, elicit maybe a little bit of curiosity. And all this FFDPQ method is designed to open up a closed mind, someone who makes dogmatic statements to cause, oh, there might be some information here I don't know, I'm not aware of. Maybe I ought to listen to and become aware of it. That's, that, that's the goal of this pivoting and turning so that instead of an argument, we have open, develop a, a curiosity, a teachability in the listener. So what are the two options? Let's go a little deeper here. Option number one, if God wanted to end all evil in the world, he'd have to destroy all evildoers, right? Now, he did this once before at the flood of Noah. Well, of course, he left eight of them alive. But he destroyed the world. He flooded it all. It was the greatest destructive event in the history of the entire world. The world was flooded. And God has said he's not going to do that again, but he will destroy the earth someday in the future with fire. And so if this question comes up, you know, option number one, what you want to explain to your friend is, yeah, God could end all evil by just getting rid of all evildoers. But the Bible says, you know, evildoers, not just the Hitlers of the world, but we're all sinners, We've all violated God's law. This person is objecting. He may not be a mass murderer or some terrible, wicked, evil person in that sense. But in the eyes of God, we've all broken the laws of God. We're all sinners. And so this question would lead right into telling him, your objector, and pointing out that, yeah, there will be a day God judges all evil. There will be a day God does away with all evil. And it's important that we, now God is patiently waiting, it's important that we get ready for that day and ask him, are you ready to meet God? Are you ready for when God judges all sin and sinners? Will you be ready? And it leads right in explaining the gospel and how we can be forgiven through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The second, the second option God has is... If he wanted to do away with all evil, he'd have to take away our free will and not allow us to do evil. And this would be another problem for God too, wouldn't it? And I find it would be a problem for most objectors. I find that most people who are complaining about God allowing evil in the world, they want God to take away, they're willing to have God take away the freedom of someone else, the free will, the ability of someone else to hurt them, 
but they want to keep their free will to be able to do whatever they want. You know what I'm saying? I don't want anyone to have the capacity to steal from me. Why doesn't God stop that? But I might want to steal from someone else. I wouldn't want anyone to be able to gossip about me, but I want to gossip about someone else. I wouldn't want anyone to have the capacity to mislead me and tell me a lie, but I want to be able to lie to someone else. See, often with this issue of evil, by the way, we're only thinking of like the big heinous, like, you know, killing someone or a violent offense or something like this. We must remind them that with God, there's, there's a whole bunch of sins that God allows us to do. Now, he never gives us permission to do them. Understand, free will doesn't mean God gives you the permission. God commands you otherwise, but God gives you the ability to do what's wrong. Never the permission, the ability. And in doing so, why does he do that? He gives us the ability because if because by the very nature of desiring a love relationship with us, love by its very nature has to be freely given and freely received. Love can never be forced. God could make you and I robots so that we have no free will. We're just machines. We just do what we're programmed to do. And if that were the case, he could make us so we'd never do anything wrong. But he'd also make us so that we were had the inability to love him or to love others. Remember, these are the two great commandments, to love God and to love others. And if you have no free will, see, love must come from the heart. If you have no free will, you could never, ever truly love. You never do, you could never hate, but you could never love. You could never do wrong, but you could never truly do right, at least not from your heart. Now, this leads to a really interesting point for you and I as believers, and that's this. You've probably been upset when you've seen evil in the world. At times, you know, it, it's, outrage, it, it's outraging, it's, it's enraging, excuse me. It may even turn your stomach. And you know, God sees a whole lot more evil than you and I do, because we've just seen the littlest part of evil, and God sees it all. The eyes of the Lord in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Somehow, and for some reason, God is willing to tolerate all that. He doesn't like it. He's going to judge it. He hates it. He hates it worse than you and I do. It bothers him more than it does you and I. But somehow he doesn't intervene and stop at all. Why? Because in this broken world, there's something God values more than stopping all evil. And that is God wants love to prevail. He wants to love you and you receive his love. He wants you to love other people. He wants our love to overcome the hatred in the world. This is the plan of God. This is the way of God. And when you stop and think about that, next time you see evil, next time you see something that just is really upsetting, remember that it's more important to God. God will judge that one day. He'll take care of it. But, it's, but God desires a love relationship with you and with others so much that he's willing to tolerate and patiently wait and allow that evil to occur in order to give people opportunity to have to come to him willingly, honestly, sincerely from their heart. Folks, this whole problem of evil tells us two things. It, it, it leads to two things. Number one, if you're an unbeliever, you better get ready because God will judge the world one day. And you want to make sure that when that happens, you are forgiven 
and you pass the judgment through faith, through your faith in Jesus Christ. But secondly, for those of us who do know him, let's remember God, God, God wants you to do, God wants you to do right. God wants the world to be righteous. But even more important on his hierarchy of values is the great commandment love, to love him and to love our neighbors. As much as God wants you to do everything right, because see, this relates to you as well. You might think your sin, the, the number one thing God wants you to do is never, ever, ever sin. And I would say that's very important with God, but there's something even more important, that you love him from your heart. And so even when you have sinned, even when you've fallen, even when you've failed, even when you've done something you deeply regret, remember what God's really after is your heart. He loves you. He wants you to love him in response. It's more important that you love God than that you do everything perfectly well. That's what matters to God. It's pretty amazing. We can all do that. We all fall, but we can all love him. That's what matters. And that's the good news for us today. So let's have that walk with God. Let's grow in our love for him more than anything. We're not accepted because we did everything right. We're accepted by the blood of Christ. And with that acceptance in the blood of Christ, we love him with gratitude, with all of our heart. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for the, the wisdom of God. It is higher than the heavens are above the earth. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. Who's known the mind of the Lord? Oh, the, high, the, the wisdom, the knowledge of our God. We thank you, Father, for your, your perfect character. We thank you for your hatred of evil. But we thank you that even that, that you, you are even greater in your love for us and your desire to have a love relationship with human beings, with people. It boggles our mind, Father. We thank you that one day you will judge all evil. Hallelujah. I want to thank you, Lord. No one's going to get away with anything. There's nothing you haven't seen. Every ju the judgment is going to be fair. It's going to be right. There'll be no tainted information, no false testimony, no partial judges. Your judgment of all evil one day be perfect. But we thank you that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of mercy. We thank you your mercy will triumph over judgment. We thank you that in the name of Christ, you offer salvation even to the worst of sinners. What a merciful God. What a kind God. Lord, your loving kindness, we just confessed today, your loving kindness, it's greater, extends to the heavens. The earth is filled with the loving kindness of God. Thank you that we are models and pictures. We're, we are a walking object lesson of the love of God and the mercy shown us in Jesus Christ. Oh, today, Lord, we give you praise. We walk triumphantly. We say if our God is for us, who can be against us? If God loves us, nothing can separate us from your love, not even tribulation or persecution or nothing can separate us from the love of God. We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that your love will triumph over even the, all the evil of man. And Lord, we thank you today. You've called us to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. We pray today, I pray for each of us that we would be like our Father. Therefore, it says in Ephesians, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. I pray that this day we would be vessels, channels of the love of God, 
Lord, there's so much hatred in our world. We would overcome it not with other hatred, but we'd drive out that hatred with the love of God. Lord, we, we need this in our land. We need this in our world. Oh, might, might you send a fresh anointing and filling and flood of the love of God into our world, we pray. Use us as your channels. Might we be like you. You love us, even in, the, in, the, in, in spite of all the evil in the world. We thank you our, that God is love. Might you fill us with this love as well. We pray for this. And we pray, fill us with your joy and your Holy Spirit. We know, Lord, all this, you've got to be our source. This is not natural to us. Natural in the flesh, we would, we would return evil for evil. But Lord, in the Spirit of God, we can rise above and be triumphant, victorious Christian people. And we pray today that we would be. And we pray this, bless you, and love you today with all of our heart. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. Isn't that awesome? Aren't the ways of God just higher than the heavens are above the earth? Thanks for being part of the, today's Daily Word and Prayer. Make sure and hit that share button. Tell others about this time. I, I, I know that you're being encouraged. I know I am. Let's share that blessing with others. Help pass the word. Post on your social media. Send, a, send, send the URL link to someone that you think could be blessed by this message today. And uh, let's help build this YouTube, YouTube audience. Okay? God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. You have a great day today. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Bye-bye.